Hi, this is Hugh, one of your hosts. We discovered after recording this episode that it was pretty long, so I decided to cut it in half and present two parts to the Foodies episode. Part one is right now. Oh my god, oh my god, we're the worst podcast hosts in the world. Okay, so, Stefan. Hugh! You are so excited. I have been playing this for probably two and a half months. When was the last time we talked about this? It would be like two and a half months ago, maybe. And then I emailed you guys Mm -hmm. and said, hey, can we do a thing? And everybody was really receptive to it. You're listening to the Can't Sell This Podcast with your hosts, Hugh Elliott and Stefan Grambart. I need each person to introduce themselves. Are they capable of doing that? Can we start with Nick? Okay, sure. Hey guys, I'm Nick, and I'm a really big foodie. Love to write about food, make videos about food, take pictures of food, and most especially, eat food. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you, okay, no, I'm not gonna ask questions, sorry. <laughs> Kim? Hi, I'm Kim. I am actually married to Nick. And we met and bonded over food. (laughs) So um, I'm an XM producer, uh, Gun for Hire, have done really fun things, but my favorite things to do are are food related, so immersive dining experiences and so on. Um, (laughs) Okay, that's cool. Natalie. Hello, I'm Natalie. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Let me say it again. So I am a foodie as well. I also have a food blog, much like Kim and Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote my major research paper on food and identity. So food is very much an important topic for me. And I like especially eating it. <laughs> mm. And also like drinking. Oh, so see, tonight is like marvelous. This is, this is the evening for, for all of that enjoyment, right? Stefan? 100%. Now, Natalie seems really familiar. Well, Natalie has been a guest. Her episode comes out tomorrow, as a matter of fact. That's right. Mm-hmm. Natalie Rantahal. Rantahal. You say it well. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, the assistant grant editor at Ryerson University. But also an amazing food recommender. Mm-hmm. This is true. Can, okay. Does everybody know what real hummus is, by the way? Have you had hummusaya? Hummusaya? No. Now you say the word real, I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, Do I know? So yeah. you're questioning everything hummus right now. Yeah. So you should. You should question it because Natalie had hummus from hummusaya and it had like a boiled egg in it. There were like peppers. There were, it was transformative. Mm. Is Real hummus is transformative. So... That brings me to what I think probably is the lead into this whole thing is is you guys met over food. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And <laughs> and because of it, you realize that you could discuss, you could be public about your love of food, you could create an entire brand based off of your love of food. Is that not something that is transformative in your in your daily lives? Like you, you, I remember her meeting you and Nick, sorry, and talking about like, well, he's in finance, and I was like, well, that's a real snore. And then, <laughs> I mean, thanks. So, well, I can also remember you coming up and going like, I work with spreadsheets. I'm like, 
<laughs> I really like spreadsheets. <laughs> and, you're, and you're welcome to like spreadsheets, we but I do like these. the guy that baked his own yeah, bread. Yeah. With a spreadsheet, by the way. But yeah, we yeah. have oh. yeah, I built, I built we have Excel. a bread spreadsheet, we have a kimchi spreadsheet. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay, but there's nothing, okay. I would like to say that's totally cool. <laughs> I think the spreadsheet that involves money that I don't understand is the one that I'm most jealous about, right? Because being capable of as long as there's enough commas, it's it's a good spreadsheet. As long as there's enough commas, <laughs> that can't be how that works. By the way, so I'm can fine. we can we discuss the bread really quickly? Sure. What do you want to know about the I bread? I would like you to tell us about the bread really quickly. All right. Um, well, <laughs> it's it's a ninety percent white all-purpose flour, ten percent rye from uh, a San Francisco baker called Josie. And the um, and the starter came from one of our very good friends, Brennan Clark, who used to be uh, used to have his own thing called Clark's Bread, and also was a baker at Blackbird. He was like employee number two at Blackbird yep. when they just started. And I so happened to get a hold of some of his starter, and so sourdough bread is interesting versus kind of like traditional yeasted bread because this takes two days to bake. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> That's the spreadsheet you did. It's super tasty. I'm gonna have mm-hmm. a piece of spreadsheet for the too. record. Um, <laughs> to all those gluten intolerant people, I'm sorry. I, I for one, have a big spreadsheet. Oh my gosh! Just so you know, Nick, yeah. I'm, I'm a huge. Is sourdough bread gluten free? No, it's not no. gluten free. But go ahead. Go ahead. Gluten's made up. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's actually um, very um, people with. Gluten intolerance are often able to, to eat sourdough bread. Actually, oh, Brennan really? Clark, who taught us how to make bread, um, he had a sensitivity to gluten, but he is a baker and bakes sourdough bread. And I think you're Nick, better able to explain the science behind that. Mm. I don't think anyone is, mm-hmm. um, because a lot of people who also say that they're gluten intolerant are not yeah that's the problem i was gonna swear it's lies yeah it's so totalized unless of course you have celiacs or you're yes yeah you have crohn's yep um you know like there's no real reason why like you're gonna feel better if you don't eat like egg mcmuffins every single day because you're not eating mcdonald's every day not because you're not eating gluten but well the main difference is that basically um sourdough is made from natural um natural yeast versus commercial yeast, which is what people are really reacting badly to. And the fermentation process Mm -hmm. kind of like breaks down the sugars into more digestible sugars. Um, The shelf life on sourdough is better. It Mm -hmm. tastes better, Mm -hmm. I think. Um, And it's just fun. (laughs) I think that's the, at the end of the day, it's just fun. And the um, smoked salmon is bananas, by the way. So all of this is from De La Mer. Um, who has several locations in Toronto, one on the east, one on the west, um, and one kind of like midtown. And they're kind of like one of the best sort of like fishmongers in the city. When you, um, <clears throat> Natalie, can I ask you a question? No, wait, I'll wait. I'm My not a, I'm so not a server. It's a restaurant. <laughs> Are you enjoying your meal? It's so full. <laughs> totally. So I'll let you... Oh, you're grabbing more food. No, no, no. <laughs> that totally stops I'm putting you it aside. Okay, yeah. I'm saving it. <laughs> Let, let's, just, let's just say sabotage my interview my there's friend. gonna be a lot of talking out of your mouthful, your mouthful. Okay. Absolutely. So I just wanna make sure I just drop something? 
You, you that drop fish, the cat is all yeah, over all it. Um, so Natalie, how long have you been running Hangry, Hangrier, Hangriest? I say about two years. Oh. Yeah. So I started it before I did my master's. And I thought it was a really important thing to start writing. And if I was going to write about anything, it was absolutely going to be about food. Right. Yeah. And did you... What would the typical topic of your blog be? So there's no typical topic, but there's definitely a typical sort of way that I write, okay. which is always including swearing. Oh. So <laughs> it was absolutely mandatory <laughs> that I wrote in a way that felt natural yeah. and also felt like it spoke to an audience that was like similar to myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. people who were into food, who were comfortable with swearing, who probably were on social media in some way, shape, or form and liked a hashtag or at least thought it was funny enough to sort of include in my writing. Right. So I have written about things like doubles because my family's Trinidadian, or I've written about things like my favorite bars in the city. Um, so it, it just depends on the, t- the time of year or whatever I sort of am into at the moment. For sure. So drinking generally is a constant theme. <laughs> well, it's available. Well, gotta be. Yes. It's not like, oh, I can only have those mangoes now. It's like, no, I can have this all the time. Yeah. Um, can I ask you what this is? <laughs> this is chawanmushi. Okay. So it's a Japanese dish, and it's kind of like an egg custard. It's savory, and it has dashi in it. It's warm. Yeah. And um, there's usually some kind of seafood and mushrooms, and you can put, you can actually put um, kind of whatever you want in it. So we, we made these in the sous vide in a mason jar. Yeah. And this is almost the same way as we would make a creme brulee, right? Oh, okay. Exactly the same. Really? Minus the minus the, the, the sweet. Have you taken a picture of this already? I'm doing that right now. I was going to say, and All right, they're beautiful. Take a picture uh, so we have uh, show notes. Right, so every episode has a show note. Okay, well, if you're um, show noting. Yeah, and we want to make sure that, that we uh, document all of this food because people listening are going to be super jelly. Jellies. <laughs> Very jelly. Um, yeah. What is this? Then, if you're show noting, I'm going to take this. This is a, oh, a nice. crab dip that we also got at <gasps> It's crab so dip. good. <laughs> Okay, I thought so it was good. a cream cheese or something. I'm like, I'm not all about cream cheese, but I am all about crab dip. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Came out. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's mm. delicious. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Who made this? All about that. Oh, that's Joe Lemire. That's Joe Lemire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I would God. like to say we made it. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Just say you made right? it. <laughs> we made wow. it. Wow, you guys made a really good crab dip. Joe Lemire dip on our crab dip. <laughs> we have nothing on our crab dip. Alright, so what would you say is the most surprising thing for you having started? Can I say the three spoons? Is that cool or Yeah, you can say the three spoons. So basically, um, well I guess I'll I'll kind of explain the three spoons. We we did the three spoons, we started that about a couple of years ago and we did it for about a year. And it was great. Like we we felt it was pretty successful. We were grow like our following was, was growing and we would get we would get a lot of um, a lot of comments from people all over the place and mm-hmm. it was it was great. Like we thought it was only our, our friends, our five friends reading this, but apparently people are interested. 
Um, what happened is life happened, and <laughs> and the three of us, myself, Nick, and one of our best friends, Ubby, um, just we all started getting all these gigs that required a lot of full-time work. It's very time-intensive, so we went on an unexpected hiatus for a little over a year, really. Right. And now we're just getting ready to relaunch with more collaborators. Um, and it will be rebranded as one of everything because it's our favorite thing to order on the menu. One of everything. One mm -hmm. of everything. Oh, nice. nice. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier when you're not going to some dumpy-ass pub in which that would mean 50 things. One of everything in a, in a, in a good intimate setting is like 12 items. You know, the yeah. or yeah. 13 yeah. items or whatever. Though, now that you say it, I would love to go to a pub and order one of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Having been in a pub and eaten a ton of bad things all over the course of a number of hours, I, I can attest it's not a great idea. <laughs> it's all about the experience. Although, you know, like, you know, it's not like you're getting the chef's tasting menu. You're getting a, I'm going to fry that, and I'm going to fry that. You know? Why did they order the salad? No one orders salad at a pub. Well, let's just get the really dark green ones off of the bottom and don't serve them that. <laughs> Dig the olives out of the cup. I got a whole thing going here. <laughs> um, did you, uh, Natalie, did you feel that over the course of the, the past couple of years in which you were running the blog, like you, you also sort of took a break, right, in, in blogging. And like right posting. now, in fact. Aww. Yeah, so I'm on a, not for any particular reason other than I don't know what the fuck I want to write about. Oh, yeah. You can bleep that out mm -hmm. if, if you need to. Nope, nope. So I am at a point where I sort of shedded Instagram a little bit and I'm taking a step away from that. And I'm thinking about what I want to write next. Do I really want to write about restaurants? Or do I really want to write about more important things? And not to suggest that restaurants aren't important. Let me, like, let me backtrack a little bit. Not that restaurants aren't important. They are central to culture in Toronto, because mm -hmm. Toronto has some of the best food anywhere. But there's already a lot of writing about restaurants, Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so I'm more interested in the side that is critical of why we eat the things that we eat, how we eat the things that we eat, mm -hmm. and where that is going in terms of our community or right. as a city. So like how we equate things like cheap with the word ethnic. So why is that mm -hmm. a thing? And why can't we then critique that? I've been thinking about writing something about rules around eating and not rules to be like, don't do this, don't do that. But like things to be mindful of right. when you're eating at places. Because we don't often think about food in a way that it's representative of history or culture or having um, a perspective. You're just like, oh, I'm eating this thing because it's delicious. Yeah, in fact, it's delicious, but it's also part of someone's mm -hmm. specific yeah. legacy. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, right? Think about travel. I mean, what, the first thing that comes to mind when I think about traveling to like a foreign country is is experiencing the culture and the first thing I think about then is the food. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like I want to try the food when I go to France. I want to try the, you know, the uh, the beers and the breads in Bavaria. So I think um, yeah, that's there's a there's a, a very tight connection between culture and and the food that we eat. Yeah, what do you think has been the, the biggest challenge for you? Has it been time? It's it's mostly been time because we we do this as on the side. This is kind of like an extracurricular, like passion project really for us. So 
basically when, you know, especially being independent, both Nick and I um, don't have nine to five jobs. So, and even then, if we had a nine to five job, it might even be harder. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the in matter some is, ways. in some ways, <laughs> but it's, it's really, you know, when a paying gig time, it's really difficult to turn that down in favor of, you know, of your content or to, to make that time when you're kind of stressed out and working crazy hours and that kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, it's that. And it's also the expense because on the one hand, yeah, we, we do like cook. The fact that we love to cook means that we can make, you know, a, a two person feast with $20. Right, and yeah. that's fantastic. That's that's the kind of thing that brings us together. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, how do you talk about about like other food outside of what you're doing, like the newest restaurant or this new place that opened here or there, when you don't actually really have the funds to be splurging on another on another meal at a restaurant. But has that created a has that created a, an urgency in doing your own thing, right? Learning how to make your own food as opposed to I can't spend a hundred bucks right. at whatever restaurant. I'm going to spend 50 bucks and we're going to feed ourselves like kings and queens in our own home. Oh, it's definitely changed our lifestyle and how we approach it. Um, so, so yeah, now, nowadays, sometimes we have no choice but to, to fly our shop. But in the meantime, we've learned how to make really interesting things like, you know, one day duck was on sale for $1.88 a pound. So we bought duck and then I was like, you know what I love? Cassoulet, let's learn how to make a cassoulet. And we basically made a dish that would cost easily over $30 per person. Um, we probably spent that 30 bucks feeding like eight people. Yeah. And we made actually a yeah. pretty good cassoulet. Yeah. <laughs> and so it definitely, um, I always feel that the boundaries often, often um, you know, they force you to be a little more creative sometimes. And so, so we definitely have had positive things come out of some of these boundaries. We're also not missing out because we're not a restaurant review blog. Yeah. And we true. will never be one. Um, like what interests us is the stories behind the food. Mm-hmm. Like what what was going on when you went to this restaurant or, or or more importantly like this is take this one chef like what was his or her story as they kind of like made their way to Aloe? I don't know mm-hmm. um, like that's more important for us so we don't really need to spend money for that we just pick up the phone and we call someone and we're like hey we want to write a, a story but about do you. you not think that's the advantage of knowing people in the know like like I, I couldn't I don't think I know any chefs I know one, but I couldn't say, hey, could I just get you to provide me a tasting menu in which I could write some no. groovy shit about your So we, we um, Like, you guys have been invited to some pretty cool places, right? Like, the opportunity has been provided. Yes and no. I mean, some of the, the really great dinners we've had, we've, well, we, we've either paid for or <laughs> being friends with influencers have been invited <laughs> yeah. to... I don't mean to dismiss it. No, I, it wasn't like all. that at all. Like, I'm yeah. super jealous. Because <laughs> <laughs> you posted some food where I'm like, Yeah, we've been really, really lucky. I, w- I was going to say, though, that like the surprising thing about the blog was that, well, at least when we first started, I didn't know any mm-hmm. chefs in the city. Yeah. Like, a lot of these people we just cold called. They were like, hey, we're doing a thing on seafood, and 
um, you're the best oyster shop in town, and this is Oyster Boy. Like, can we do can we do an interview with you? Mm-hmm. And they said yes. Yeah, you'd and be then we became good friends. Yeah. As to how They're very people welcoming. Are willing to actually share their story if you're coming from a place of authenticity and, and real interest. Yeah. Especially when they have passion for what they do. Oh, you know, absolutely. Everyone loves to share their passion. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have any questions? Yeah, no. Well, I was going to say, uh, back when you were You've talking about... You've been able about, to eat. And I've been like, I have, and now it's your turn to eat. Yes. Thank you. Um, appreciate that. Uh, I 100% agree with the uh, sentiment that when you have restrictions, uh, it, it forces you to be creative. Uh, so last year, um, we, we, we have a, 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 like a deep freezer in our storage locker in the basement. And I was, and we, it was filled with stuff that we had bought when it was on sale. And so, um, my partner was away, and I decided that I was going to empty out that freezer before I bought any more food. I was yeah. going to use yeah. everything that we had. The only thing I was going to buy was fresh vegetables and fruit. And so, yeah, I just I experimented. I I would find something like a beef tenderloin. I was like, I don't what I've never made this before. I'm gonna look up a recipe for how to do something weird with this and broccoli, and <laughs> just being able to type in ingredients uh, into a website like recipe websites, and you just say, here are the ingredients I have. Show me something, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and yeah, so I got to try some new things. Uh, one of the things that I learned uh, was radishes are the best potato substitute. Oh my god! Really? Roasted radishes with um, Brussels sprouts. Put some bacon and some maple mm. syrup on there, and I'm a massive fan of Brussels sprouts. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. No. yeah. My wife, so my wife roasted uh, beets the other day, and and I was like, I, I love you all. Over. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, a chev, beet, you know, red onion. Do you find do you find so that your good. your tastes have changed as you've gotten older? Like, do you like things now that you hated before? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that, that in the past, since you've started writing about food, you've been more welcoming of, of more food? Like that, you, you at one point went, I don't like garlic and I don't like onions and then, and then or whatever. You definitely wouldn't be in thinking, this business. I was thinking I, when I was a kid, I hated onions, right? Mm. And my grandmother would make hamburgers from scratch. And one of the things she would do is make me my own burgers. Right, that had no onions, and she'd go like, "No onions," you know. <laughs> she winked. My grandmother's a winker. And then one day, I was like, "I'm gonna have some onions in this thing." I couldn't believe how much I liked onions. I had decided I didn't like onions when I was a child, and then in my 20s, I'm like, "I'm gonna put onions in this spaghetti sauce," and it was the most amazing thing. And now, it's, onions are everywhere, you know. And my daughter likes onions, but my son hates them. I'm like, I'll see you in your 20s. <laughs> or... Well, you'll see him before then, hopefully. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm leaving now. I'll be back in eight fucking years. <laughs> the worst dad ever. I'm yeah. going to Alabama. <laughs> I'm again being topical. <laughs> the worst place for a person is Alabama. At the moment, I think that's actually a fair statement. <laughs> Well, I stick take myself on that one. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, no. Um, so the uh, so I have a bad habit of slamming tables, and I have big rings. <clears throat> this evolution of the three spoons mm. that's coming soon. Now, you, so this episode isn't going to air quickly. This is a couple months away. 
Neither is our relaunch. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. jobs it out, listen, are real. I'll mm-hmm. tell you what. Mm-hmm. Like, so I have, I've had a number of discussions involving podcasting. And the very first thing I say to everybody that asks about podcasting, I said, it's a job. Mm-hmm. So if you're not mm-hmm. ready for another job, yep. yeah. don't do that thing. Absolutely. Right? So when you're like, well, it's going to take a while. I'm like, fucking, yeah, of course it's going to take a while. It's a whole other job, right? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. you're going to say, well, I've got this project. It's going to take me to Chicago. i got this project. It's going to take me here. You know, like this job that I get paid to do is not the same as the job I don't. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm super stoked about this, though. What's so going on? More collaborators? Yeah. Like, yeah. You, have created, do, you, do you need a hangrier, hangriest, hangry? <laughs> Honestly, my, my cogs are already turning on this because yeah. like the crux of the relaunch is we're bringing in a whole bunch of collaborators who are Instagram influencers or kind of like work in that industry and they're sick and tired of like doing things just because of the reach. Yeah. Totally. Right? Yeah. Because of the numbers doing things because like like you're a food influencer why are you but why and why you yes. so yeah. like there are some things that i've been sort of observing and where you're just looking at someone someone's blog or particular post and you're like how did you sir or madam get this, get this title as being someone who is important or whose opinion matters mm-hmm. you know and sometimes they're not even a particularly great writer i'm like but what not to be a critical jerk. But wait a second. And I think the voices that we often hear aren't people. They're the who, loudest. Right. Not it's not yeah. people who are yeah. visible minorities or mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest. How many women do you see writing and talking about food in the public arena? So rarely do yeah, you like ever that. see this. Mm-hmm. Right. Very and I'm like, but why? Women are the domesticators of the home. Yeah. They are the ones who are generally the ones who are cooking at home, yeah. doing most of the domestic duties, yet their work is undervalued, but the men who are in the kitchens professionally, professionally in quotation marks I'm doing here right now, air quotes, <laughs> but who are getting paid for it. They are well respected and we're all like, oh, let me buy your book and let me hear about your story. But the women who are in the kitchens, who are actually the ones who are the holders of this history, mm-hmm. of these recipes, who are the ones who are talking to their kids and their kids' kids about their legacy and yeah. about why food is important and the history of that food, we often leave behind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it, that is my rant. It is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it I, was, I was saying awesome. <laughs> Nick's like, I want to interject. No, please. <laughs> no, please. I'm just going to say, like, 100% agree it, is what it's yeah, trying to say. Yeah, 100% agree. It's thankfully starting to slowly change, change. at yeah. least in the professional sphere. Yeah. Um, in Toronto, Jen Og is a very strong but so few. person there. So few. I know it is so few, but. Like, even when you look at, like, Chef's Table on Netflix, mm-hmm. there were, like, in the first few, few seasons, you were like, oh, there's one, two. Yeah. And like, they're the biggest of the big, right? Like these are women who have literally carved out a space and been like, hey, listen to yeah. me, yeah. look at the things I'm doing. And they have gotten to the places that they've gotten because they've been recognized by men. Mm. Yep. True. Right? Yeah. And also when you- Right? Mm-hmm. But you, like to that point, a, a lot of times when you see like a chef's table with a male chef and so on, a lot of times when you talk about how they learned to make something, it's, it's like, I was hiding Mom, out under my grandma's grandma. table. Oh, right? Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always 
always about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't but know. But their grandma isn't the one being interviewed for her recipes, or their moms aren't being interviewed for how they've been mm-hmm. these, these incredible inspirations for them. Yeah. We're, we're just turning to the men to be like, oh my God, you're so amazing. Look at you wow, cooking you your food. Wow, you paid attention to your grandma when she was making sauce. And this is, Good for I, you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's not to undermine how much work they've put into yeah, this. This yeah. is not a comment on the fact that they haven't worked hard. They haven't gone through the oh, like, throes of life to get but there. But you know, oh, here's the problem. And this this comes to Chef's Table. Any other food yeah, yeah. related show on Netflix is the... Co- <laughs> The topic of, but you're a woman, and oh fuck you, I'm a woman. You mm. know what I mean? Like the reaction, they have to be equally, if not more, more. strong, than the person that's interviewing them because they need to be like, why, why are you asking me this? Did you ask the guy totally. that? Exactly. Yeah. There's, had, there's uh, this phenomenon um, that I've, I've now sort of noticed in research for a project that I'm working on that sort of deals with this in the fine art world. Um, where um, for the women, the story will always be she was a woman and she did this thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for for the man, it's just it's just a given. That's just, a given. Let's just talk about the the you know your your excellence in your in your professional work. Um, but my question is, do you think that I mean, as uh, I hate this that there are uh, there's um, sort of gender ascribed to certain um, professions or hobbies or activities like mechanic is a man's job mm. and uh, do, so do you think that um, because... did you run out because I can go like dentist oh yeah doctor. no we can keep going <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. there are things that we inherently believe is masculine that it's not heavy metal guitars and a woman that's insane <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like being a dude doesn't help you play the guitar better I play, <laughs> what do you, you know, mean it's like Lena Ford is no, no. badass <laughs> sorry that was that came out of nowhere <laughs> it's, not just, it's not just professions let's like if we want to talk about food even it's just like no. oh, yes. she's a woman and she drinks scotch <laughs> Yeah. That is this lady at this table, and I wouldn't even necessarily call myself a lady, truth be told. But like, <laughs> no, well, yeah. I mean, you're wearing a denim shirt, the Canadian tuxedo. I know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. But like, yeah. So my partner has gotten me into scotch, but scotch has now become part of my repertoire of things that I like to drink. Okay. But as well as mezcal and like other things that are considered sort of like ah manly sort of yeah. like. So so my question is just. Um, is there perhaps sort of a a uh, a, a, a dearth of, of women um, chefs and women talking about food because they don't want to feel that they're doing something that's uh, like domesticated? Do you know what I mean? That is like this domestic life of, of cooking in the kitchen because that's obviously a huge I think the thing. I think the problem is that if a woman speaks as directly as a man does in the kitchen, she's considered a bitch. Ah, okay. And she's not. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. Literally, directly yeah, in the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. So literally the name of Jen Egg's book, which you referenced yeah, yeah. earlier, Nick, was like, I hear she's a real bitch. Yeah. yeah. Right? But and it's not like facts, that. right? But she's just like, what? I'm direct. No, and but that's exactly But if you're as it. direct as any man in the kitchen. That is honestly in almost every profession, though. Well, True. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, like, you're, you're, we work together at yeah. McLaren McCann, and, mm-hmm. I mean, the account guys in McLaren were a-holes. They were selfish <laughs> a-holes that took the credit for everything that all the other people that worked on the project did. And yet, 
if a woman did what the man did, they'd be like, well, what a selfish bitch. You're like, yeah. what, what the fuck? Oh. She was the one that helped me do this thing. You know, she's the one that aggregated all that content together. Mm-hmm. But no, 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 she's strong. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's never about, oh, wow, we're hitting a hole. I know. I Sorry, know. I feel like I took that there unintentionally. It is. It is absolutely true. I mean, like my wife is a quilter, and and she usually comments on a man who enters the quilting profession who comes in as like, well, look at him. He's he's doing okay, and she's very supportive. Mm-hmm. And then she goes, what the fuck? How does he have? 15,000 followers in three months right? because he's yeah. a fucking dude doing a woman's job, right? Yeah. There's this there's this weird Thank thing you. where people think quilting is a woman's job. So if a guy's doing it, well, look mm-hmm. at him. He's really standing mm-hmm. out. But this mm-hmm. man will get more followers in three months than my wife, who has spent whatever number of years doing her job, can get, like, you know, doing it. It's it's bananas. Mm-hmm. So we're in this situation. Okay, so holy shit, let's pull No, this but back. that's like... Can I have an olive? <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is exemplified. You in have various, two. I might need to take two. Facets, right? So like on YouTube, Ben, who started doing makeup. Mm, like, yeah. that is a whole next level. Like Or heels. Heels, right? dancing. Like, this yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, but doing shitty contouring does not make a person a good makeup artist. <laughs> I agree. A thousand percent. I have a friend who's, who's a fashion editor for... Beauty, uh, what the fuck is she fashion? She's the beauty editor for Fashion Magazine. Yes. And she has a, I'm sorry to call you out on this, she has a hate on for what is considered good makeup now. Mm-hmm. Because it is garbage. It's it Halloween is, garbage. Who walks you know? around with that much makeup? On an honest <laughs> opinion, who mm-hmm. walks around with that much makeup? Mm-hmm. Who has time to put on that much makeup? <laughs> oh God. Not Male me. or female, this is like across the board. Who has that kind of time? Well, and if you do, I don't know. I can barely do my eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was staring at your face. I know. Yeah. Like, I was joking with my wife. Eyebrows. Yeah, for sure. She, she, my wife went like she did this thing with the the eyebrow thing. And went, what if I did your eyebrows? I went, what if you did my eyebrows, but then did everywhere there's a hair in my eyebrows because it would go like this all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, you'd look constantly excited. <laughs> what are you guys doing? <laughs> to be like a puppy. <laughs> All right, so that's so foodie, I can't believe it. <laughs> okay, we'll bring it back. We'll bring it back to Thanks for listening to part one. Part two comes out next week. This episode of Can't Sell This was produced in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. All creative content contained in this episode is copyright Stefan Grambart and Hugh Elliott. Intro voice by Jeff Wright. Intro music track is Energy by Not Of from their 2015 album Peak. Questions or comments can be sent to admin at cantsellthispodcast.com. Any other information can be found at cantsellthispodcast.com. Thank you.